Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts here on a Tuesday evening. Gentlemen, does it feel like summer? Does it, does it feel like it's finally here? Is that a is that a weather question? Weather question, feeling question. It's somehow June 8th. The uh, uh it, it the weather sucks. I don't I don't like the hot humid. Um, so the, yeah, I guess from that point of view, yes, it does feel like, uh, does feel like summer sucky weather. Yeah, it's all right. It's hammock season. <laughs> hammock season. We had a good discussion on our text today. We were talking about country kitchen and Shoney's and, uh, Bob's big boy. Yeah. Res- Sizzler restaurants of that make. And I, I was Bonita. enjoying that. Yeah. If people yeah. think there's high level discussions ever happen, well, they wouldn't think that. But if they, if someone was misguided enough to think that's happening in our text box, uh, they would be wrong. I once explained to somebody that getting a random text from Brunts could go anywhere. Like you have no idea what he is just <laughs> watched on television, what baseball game he's watching, like what Atlantic article he just read, like. If it's not Nebraska related, I am sometimes fascinated trying to piece together how he ended up where he did that I'm getting this link or that I'm getting this comment uh, on text message. Would, would you also say that Brunts is a bit of a fear monger with his text? Sometimes he'll say like, oh, oh God, or something like that. Yeah. And, and he'll let it he'll let it sit for like a, not a minute that's a long time in real time, but like 30 seconds, you'll kind of be waiting like, okay, what's he going to put? Is it like, this something we got to track news wise. <laughs> It'll be like some, something like uh, Purdue Pete got pulled over. I think I sent that one, but <laughs> Purdue Pete got pulled over in the drive-thru or something. And you're like, okay, nothing to hey, see here. Brian, what he does <laughs> is he'll just be like bad news guys. And then he won't say <laughs> what the bad news is until someone asks. And then it's generally yeah. innocuous, but. Yeah, occasionally it is bad news or like something though where you got to sit up straight. So that's where you got always, you don't know. We get kind of jumpy. Yeah. You guys are just lucky that uh, I'm not up till two, three in the morning like I used to be. That was, <laughs> that was really bad. I mean, I remember those days. <laughs> well, we moved on from them though, so it's good. It was, it was always remarkable to me that I would wake up the next morning at like eight and there was a text message from you at four and it would have nothing to do with anything of a note, but I'd be, up, I'd be up watching like the Nebraska Iowa game from like 2015. Like this, that's the thing. Like there was no real reason that you should have been up at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was usually that you're watching an old game or like, did you know Steve Buscemi was in, you know, <laughs> Some Nobody, random movie. It was Kathy Griffin in <laughs> Pulp Fiction was the last one I sent. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I didn't know that. Good movie, though. She She's in that scene where uh, it's Ving Rames, right? Where he gets hit by the car. Kathy Griffin's in that? That's what, yeah, we, we went over this. I didn't. I don't remember her in that scene. I don't actually remember the car scene that much. It's not one of the 50 most memorable Pulp Fiction scenes. <laughs> That's why I was very confused. She like sees him get hit or she sees him on the street. Is that what happens? Uh, yeah, she's like a, 
she's a uh, a witness to to Ving Rhames character okay. getting getting hit yeah. by Bruce Willis. I can kind of spoiler alert it now. Yeah. BC the big Tarantino guy if I recall correctly. I have been. I I've kind of that shrunk a little bit. But uh Oh no, you didn't like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It was okay. I didn't think it was his best. Um but yeah, he's had some that I've thought were absolute gems. You know. What's your I'll number think, one? Uh probably I like Django and Chain probably better That's than my favorite too. Yeah. Um and then uh close second is Inglorious Bastards, actually. I, I probably like Pulp Fiction third, and I know that's sort of uh blasphemous, but I don't know. Probably Pulp Fiction probably deserves to be one because it was so uh, like you hadn't seen anything like it before when it came out. But yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, our Tarantino. That's our Tarantino breakdown for the night. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, who did not visit Nebraska over the weekend, but we're still discussing him anyways. So here's today's show rundown. We're going to hit recruiting here for the next 10, 15 minutes. And then uh, Brunce is going to dissect Nebraska baseball and the season that was, the rough loss that just happened, and where everyone goes from there. So that's kind of the plan here. And I, you know, I, I tweeted out a bunch of links. Like, was it surprisingly very, very news-heavy, busy weekend for Nebraska recruiting? Think about all the stuff that happened that just sort of gets buried. Nebraska had eight visitors. Okay, they had nine. They had a they had an unofficial visitor. They made several camp offers, both near and far, including uh, a guy in, from Iowa Western Community College, uh, an offensive lineman from Colorado. They made an offer at a camp in Florida State and an offer at a camp at, at SMU. So you have all of that happening. You have Friday Night Lights in which Ben Bramer shows up, and he has a, uh, he has a great day. Gunnar Gatula ends up getting an offer. That's a 2023 guy right there. And this is all going on. And Monday night, as the baseball game's happening, Nebraska picks up a commitment from the weekend and Chase Androff. So all of that being said, where do you guys want to start with this? Where should we dive in with recruiting? Should we should we work our way backwards and, and start with with Androff. Uh, Androff and then go to the, the visit weekend and then um, everything the else that, that happened? Yeah, well, that works. That's a that's a functional plan. So Chase Androff, six foot six, two hundred thirty pounds from Lakeville South, a tight end, and I am mostly, I'm kind of fascinated to see if Nebraska takes another tight end in this class because it, it feels like they are preparing for life without Travis Fokolek and without Austin Allen after this season. They took three tight ends last year, and Chase Androff is dramatically different than a James Carney or a Thomas Fedoni and or even AJ Rollins. And they still have these visits set up with Gabe Burkle and Austin Terry. So it doesn't seem like they're just going to take one tight end in this class. And Androff is, is, you know, a self-described blocking tight end. I mean, someone that Minnesota views that could grow into being an offensive lineman. Nebraska sees him sort of as a heir apparent for the Travis Vokalek role or even kind of Austin Allen. And so I, I'm very curious about this because I thought last year we saw Nebraska make a shift in what they were doing at tight end. And now it, it feels like they are going back to, to kind of trying to find uh, a nice complement to the, the Carney and the Fedonis of the world. What did you guys see out of this? Yeah, ne Nebraska's tight end room is kind of in an interesting spot right now because it's 
I mean, it, it's if you kind of look at the classes of, of guys who are there, I mean, it's kind of like a barbell where you have Vocal like an Allen who are towards the end of their careers. You've got Carney, Fedoni, um, and, and Rollins at the start of it. And, you know, I, I'm not 100% convinced that all three of Nebraska's tight ends from, from this class stay at tight end for, for their careers. Um, you know, I, I think – Rollins would be a guy that, you know, is athletic enough to potentially play on defense if they need him to. I know that's something that Scott Frost has kind of alluded to in the past, but, um, you know, I, I think you need a mix of tight ends if you're going to be able to really kind of give defenses mismatches in the Big Ten. And I think, you know, adding a guy like Androff, it's a little bit more of a more of a blocking first tight end. Um, I, I think is it, it makes sense given who they brought, given who they brought in in the last class. So um, I agree with you. I don't I don't know that they're necessarily done. And and tight end just seems like a position too where Nebraska is actually sitting really well with um, you know a couple of different guys, uh, both who have visited and, and who have not. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see another guy in this class. I mean, I, I just think you have to continue to add depth there. My early thought on Androff when I kind of watched his highlights and uh, saw his stats and stuff like that is I thought of Jack Stoll actually when he was a recruit. Um, I think there could be similarities there in frame. Also, Jack Stoll, he had some good offers, but he did not have like a big resume as a pass catcher coming out of high school. As I remember it, he was more of thought of as a blocking guy and he developed into a very good all around player and probably underappreciated in some, not by me, of course. Um, but I, I, I see some, uh, some comparison there maybe. And I mean, if, if, if Chase Androff comes in and has the career like Jack Soul had, that's a, that's a good solid, you know, you take that. Um, it'll be interesting though. Like you're talking about, do they take another or not? I, you know, Austin Allen is a guy who I think has NFL potential, but he'd have to have a really big season this year to show that he's that guy right now. And, you know, is Vol if Vocalex not that type of player, you know, maybe he wants to play another year of football. So they could lose a couple guys and they could have everybody back next year and have a really full room. So it's, it is kind of an interesting deal numbers wise. Yeah. And, and he was, He's one of, of several that I felt like Nebraska had a good chance of getting a commitment from. It's funny when it happened, Alan True, I text him uh, that, that Androff had committed and Alan's like, man, we were too slow with our crystal ball prediction. He's like, I was going to do it, you know, early this week. And, and I was thinking the same thing. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys that come out of this visit weekend. We can kind of transition over to that. They could end up with Nebraska's team. I mean, they had eight official visitors. They've already gotten one commitment. I like how things kind of set up for Val and Erickson, the offensive lineman out of Chicago. Uh, Brunstock with Landon Sampson, and that one certainly feels like it's Nebraska and Ohio State, and only one of those teams has offered Sampson at this point. Justin Williams and Jalen Marshall sounded very excited about what they found, but they also have other suitors. Nico Davalier is a tough read. Ashton Craig, same thing. And then you also have Richard Torres as well. And so it's just a it's a really interesting visit weekend. I, I feel like Nebraska is going to come out of this with potentially four, maybe five, maybe six commitments out of this one visit weekend. And so 
you know, you waited a long time to finally get visitors on campus to finally be able to host people. And it could be a very fruitful thing for them. And so I, I think that Androff is the start of what's going to be a pretty successful weekend when we look back at this class in its totality. You guys saw them. I mean, the, the, they're kind of hanging out at Friday night lights. Um, I mean, who, who stood out to you guys most, you know, sometimes when you see some of these recruits in person, you're like, Oh, like that's a, it's a big guy. I mean, I remember like kind of thinking about Omar Manning when he came on his visit last summer or two summers ago, um, you know, who, who kind of stood out to you guys most? This is stupid, but the big standout for me is that Bryce Benhart is just a large ass human being. I mean, he is just <laughs> enormous. Like, he's standing there with Chase Androff, who's 6'6, 230, and he's just dwarfing him. Like, it's just like they don't even play the same sport. It is just insane to me. Um, but moving on, you know, beyond just a guy that's already very large and been in a college system for several years. Nico Davalier and Jalen Marshall are pretty well put together guys. Uh, Justin Williams is a really well put together running back. I mean, you can see in the photos that are on the site, like he does not skip arm day by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And another kind of just observation, Richard Torres is a skinny 210. I mean, he's uh, standing next to Adrian. I mean, he's every bit of his six foot five frame. And then, you know, if he's, legitimately 210 pounds he, he feels a little skinny in that regard and so those might have been the physical observations that i, I kind of had on it but like i said my big takeaway still remains bryce benhart big man probably justin williams to me um schaefer mentioned yeah i mean he's he's got an impressive build for a for a high school guy i think the fact he was wearing a nirvana t-shirt uh won won some points also um, it seemed like him and Gabe Irvin were becoming fast chums. Um, I like the fact that they, they paired guys. I mean, this is like maybe a no duh thing, but it's just those little things where it's like, you, you know, Ben Hart was hanging out with Androff and you have guys from the area and, and they're making them feel really comfortable. And, um, it seems like Casey Rogers is now, uh, an in-house guy who's could challenge Cam Taylor Britt as one of the better peer recruiters. So, is that possible? I mean, it's, he had a pretty good, it sounded like Casey Rogers had a good weekend of recruiting for the Huskers. I know Jalen Marshall, who his, his uh, host was Damian Daniels. He also really liked Casey Rogers. The four of those guys, Nico, Jalen Daniels and, and Rogers all hung out for the weekend. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you guys have seen Casey Rogers in interviews. I, I just think he's a he's a guy that people get along with really easily. So I'm not surprised that he's he was someone that they went to for uh, for Nico Davalier. And I'm I'm not surprised if they hit it off. Even though you're talking about a former lacrosse player from the Northeast and a, a guy from Arkansas, and football is just a universal language in some ways. The other thing I noticed that came out of a couple interviews, uh, not surprisingly, was the uh, name image likeness thing. And guys talking about branding and, you know, Nebraska, I think I'm maybe this is a bias because we we see the news with that topic more around here and, and uh, what Blake Lawrence does with open doors and stuff like that. But I feel like Nebraska is positioned better than some of its peers on this subject because they got out in front of it a little bit. And so uh, I think that's going to be a huge recruiting sell, actually. I mean, sometimes I downplay stuff like that. But I think there's probably a lot of kids curious, like, oh, that 
this is a complex issue and you got, and if you can tell these guys, we've got people who can figure out this complex issue to aid you to take full advantage of this as it happens. I, I think that's a good sell. The, the other thing that came up, I, I think too, I think Nebraska is really hammering the, the changes or the, the upcoming uh, practice facility too. I mean, they had a very, very extensive presentation about everything that's going into that building and, I mean, you're starting to see a little bit of progress construction-wise on campus. Um, you know, you, you've had the, the ceremonial shovels in the ground. I think that also becomes a, a pretty big piece of the pitch, too, um, with, with what you can kind of sell to uh, potential recruits as well. Do they have the shovels displayed anywhere so the recruits can see them? Uh, that I don't know. They, they might they might have just handed them out to um, – you know, workers around campus to use. Like, here, here's a here's a silver shovel. Go, uh, go plant me a tree. They should have one spot where you can like give a buck, and uh, you get to. It's just a little part that anybody who comes by can shovel it, and then they can say they, you know, they took part in it. Isn't there like some kind of like arcade game, like the claw machine, but you have like a. I'm not, I don't know, construction equipment, but you have like the machine that has the, that you can use the levers and you can pull the dirt and everything out of. A backhoe? Yeah, I don't know. That could be it. I honestly, I have no idea. People are mocking me for this. I, I, I can already tell, but uh, couldn't you just have one of those set up and you can have people pay to get in there and then they get to use it and they get that experience and you get their money. It seems like an easy money maker to me. That's certainly possible. I, Here's one, here's a question that I legitimately have that I, I have not walked around on campus since they started construction to check. Is Callahan's Rock still outside the, the, the current practice facility or did that, is that, is that part of the, the renovation? Didn't they get rid of that? It's no, it's no, so it's they, took, they took the plaque off, but the rock has, has returned to its rock friends in the, uh, it's just kind of sitting off to the side. Um, out, outside North Stadium, uh, underneath the, the the championship facility there, so this might be an opportunity to to finally, you know, exercise whatever demons are there with that thing. This is perhaps a bad thing to endorse, but I'll do it anyway. I think that rock should be in a spot where it's 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 known that it's there and people can uh, graffiti it. You know, like it. it <laughs> You like know, what Tennessee they, does? Yeah. I mean, a, a fun thing. I'm not, I'm not talking about vandalism here. I'm talking about something that's understood and you can write what you want on it uh, within reason, you know, but just have fun with it. And uh, I mean, obviously there's going to be tense moments in the history of Husker athletics where there'll be some stuff written on it that they'll have to cover up, but you know, like stuff like that, I, I I'd be all for that. You wouldn't want to call it Callahan's rock probably, but. I, I mean, you, I don't know what you would call it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed they got it out of the stadium because it was in there for a long, long time. Yeah, Incredible. it would. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of some. Anyway, something, something connected with a famous Bill Callahan, infamous Bill Callahan quote, maybe. But <laughs> they were shooting at us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were throwing fruit at our players. <laughs> What was the other one? Like the, the throat slash was actually, I had it up to here. 
One of my favorites was after the USC game. Remember when they played at USC and Nebraska had a really conservative game plan to basically not get blown out. And they did, they accomplished their goal. They only lost 28 to 10, but, uh, after the game, Callahan was kind of quizzed on it and he was a little sensitive and he was asked if he was playing a win. And he's like, to play the game, you bet. I just remember that quote. Um, but only a few people know about that. You kind of had to be in the room to enjoy it, I think. Oh, man. I did not see us turning a recruiting segment into Bill Callahan and The Rock, but here we are. Uh, do you have any other thoughts you want to finish up with, with Nebraska's recruiting weekend? I, I, have a, I have a question for you, Mike. Yeah. So the NCAA has allowed these individual workouts um, that, that began taking place last week. Nebraska is going to have more guys on campus this week uh, working out to try to earn offers. A, what do you think of it? B, should it continue to be a, um, a piece of kind of what happens, uh, I guess, this time of year? And I guess, what do you kind of make of, of what, how Nebraska has used those so far? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. I hope it's something that they keep around for a while. I mean, I just don't see any downside to it really. It's a uh, opportunity for recruits to come in and work out and prove themselves to uh, the coaches. We've already seen Nebraska make several offers based on these alone. We set a number, I think last week at three and a half and they're already at three. Um, for individual offers, I think I have that correctly. Uh, cause you had Applegate on the first day. And then of course you had, uh, Jordan Vandenberg and then, uh, the, the Colorado offensive lineman. So you, you already have three. I just think it's a good system. I mean, you get these kids that can come in and work out and, you know, not everyone's going to walk away with an offer, but they're going to have an opportunity to show Nebraska, like, this is what we can do. Nebraska can file that away and, and maybe someone doesn't get an offer that day, but down the line, it's a kid that impressed them. They follow the film and, and someone that does get an offer. So I don't see how it's anything but beneficial, um, you know, and, and we're going to see more and more kids this week. I mean, you're LJ Richardson, Henry Rickles are expected to work out. Uh, Kayla Johnson from, from uh, Papillion. So there's, there's going to be people there trying to take advantage of this. And, and I think it's a good thing for recruiting and a good thing for Nebraska. So I hope it continues beyond this year. It's one of those things that I expect coaches would really like. And I imagine recruits do too. I got one more question for you guys. What's your, give me a prediction date for a Husker quarterback commitment. All right. So today is June 8th. Yes. And we know that, Richard Torres is taking a visit to Kansas state this weekend. And then he said, it's going to wrap up pretty quickly from that. I think by June 16th, Nebraska will have its quarterback in this class, which basically I'm saying, I think it's going to be Richard Torres. Do you, do you, so you don't think you, you think that AJ Bianco is, is not going to make that visit. I don't know that there's any reason for Nebraska to have him in, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe Torres decides to push it out a little bit and, uh, you go from there, but if you're in Nebraska and he calls to commit, then you're probably letting Bianco know that there's no reason for him to take a flight from the islands to Nebraska. Uh, the, the people will probably want to know, I mean, you're, you're leaving town for a couple days. Um, how many commitments should they expect while you're gone? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, that, that usually greases the skids. 
If, if I have to make a prediction, I'd say Valen Erickson is the next most likely commitment for Nebraska. All right. Heard it here first. I don't even yeah. have a crystal ball in for him. That's how slow I've been on this class. They're going to get four or five from that weekend, though. Yep. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look back, and it's going to be a strong weekend for them. And then they've got some visitors coming in this weekend as well that uh, could be of value, too. I mean, you have Grant Page who's the other alternative to Landon Sampson. Though I think all three of us here think Sampson could end up being Nebraska's next wide receiver commit. Uh, you have Markeith Williams, a defensive back from Florida. He's a pretty intriguing guy in his own right. Tyler Martin, Hayden Schwartz, uh, guys that are on the defensive side of the ball that, you know, Nebraska has done a nice job recruiting. Tyler Martin in particular, I am looking forward to that conversation when he comes back or when his visit finishes up because I don't know that Nebraska necessarily has to take another inside linebacker. So I think they're going to see if he profiles as someone that can play outside linebacker for him. He's already six foot three, 238 pounds. We'll see how that plays out. Avery Powell, defensive back uh, from New Jersey. And uh, there might be some more additions as well. But that's, I mean, you had eight last weekend. You're already at five. It could get up to six or seven here. I mean, they could have 15 visitors in a matter of two weekends. And that, that just shows Nebraska is ready for this. And, and they're just expecting to have people on campus. All right. Well, uh, that concludes the recruiting portion of this podcast. And now for uh, some difficult conversations with Nebraska baseball, they gave it everything they basically had. They pushed Arkansas out of the brink. It was not enough. They were eliminated on Monday night. And we will discuss all of that and the future of what is to come for Will Bolt and the Huskers when we return with the Husker 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back. Schaefer ducking out while BC and I talk a little Husker baseball and probably some uh, Husker hoops recruiting. We, uh, we yes. didn't hit, hit on that much last week uh, with the podcast, but... They're basically hosting a, uh, a top 15 recruiting class pretty much every weekend um, for the month of June. So we'll hit on that a little bit as well. But uh, the, the big story, I guess, of the weekend was, um, you know, Nebraska baseball going down to Arkansas. They got, uh, I wouldn't say screwed. They, they, they got, they got kind of a short, the short end of the stick on, on the seeding, having to go to the number one overall seed. Uh, to, to take on Arkansas, but uh, Nebraska pushes Arkansas to the brink. They eventually fall six to two. 
in a winner-take-all game on Monday, which many of you saw. Um, let's dig in a little bit. We'll, we'll hit briefly on kind of the regional overall, and then we can kick it forward a little bit. I think that's, that's where we're at now. So kind of what you saw from Nebraska this weekend, did, did it surprise you the way that they played, and did it surprise you that they took it to Monday? Yeah, it did. Me. I, I, I don't think I had as much um, knowledge or confidence about this team as maybe some did. Like, I, you might have thought this was going to happen, so we'll get it to you in a second. But I, I sort of thought, well, if they can just get be one of the last two teams standing, you know, I consider what they've done this year a success, and I'll be really impressed. Um, the fact that they had Arkansas basically – beaten if they didn't have a robot who could come in <laughs> and throw 200 pitches for yeah. the weekend um maybe hurt his arm for his pro career but nonetheless get arkansas to to the uh cws at some point i think they will get there um i think nebraska probably wins if that guy isn't there i really do i and I, when he came in in the third inning i really thought they got him like if they could and there was that moment though for a couple innings where you felt like if Nebraska could get one or two more off cops and sort of just send the message, it's not happening for you guys. You, mm-hmm. you're, and then put all the pressure on them, but they couldn't quite push across that run. And then he just took over after like the fourth or fifth inning and it was his game. And it, there was sort of this feeling of inevitability that um, Arkansas had the upper hand. Momentum's a funny thing in regionals. Uh, you know, you, you, Nebraska has Arkansas on the ropes. Uh, they're up 2 nothing. Luke Roskam just absolutely blasts a home run. Um, you tack on another run, and, and you chase their starter, and you force Arkansas to go to cops, I think, earlier than they would have liked to, um, given kind of what he had done, to, you know, to that point in the regional. And, you know, a couple things happened that I think kind of worked against Nebraska – you know, combined with the fact that Arkansas was playing at home. I mean, you, 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 on the one hand had, you know, Casey Opitz hits a home run out to, to make it two to one. And it's, it's a guy that doesn't normally hit home runs that makes something happen. And that kind of gets the, the juices going of like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we're okay. There's a guy, you know, coming up with a big hit. Um, and then, you know, I, I felt like, Nebraska had a chance to get cops early in that game because I thought their at-bats against him on Saturday were actually pretty good. I, I thought, you know, they, they at least put enough doubt in Arkansas's head that they would be able to be competitive against him if they if Arkansas had to go to him again. And it's one of those things where a guy just gets rolling and he was throwing that cutter and Nebraska was swinging, swinging at bad pitches. They were swinging early in counts. And, you know, it, it, would, it just kind of had this almost feeling, of, I guess, of inevitability a little bit that, you know, Nebraska wasn't going to get a run off of this guy. And I, I agree with you totally. I mean, if they get a run off of him early in that appearance, I think it's a totally different game. And, you know, you, you get the – you start calling on guys that you've had to – bring in multiple times on the weekend, which is kind of the rub if you lose early. 
and you know they get the wild pitch, the the, the three run homer, and that's how the season ends. I mean, it it just kind of flips yeah. on so quickly. And I, I think if you're Nebraska, I thought going in, I thought if they were competitive against Arkansas, if they won a game, you know that that's a bonus. But I think you know we can spin this forward now. Nebraska is going to have a lot to replace next year. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But at the same time, I, I don't know how you could look at anything that happened this season in a very weird year with COVID, with Nebraska not playing in non-conference games um, and everything else. And you have to feel like Will Bolt and the staff have things trending in a very, very, very positive direction. Um, and can, you know, after that game, I, I felt like there was obviously disappointment on the part of Bolt and that staff that, you know, they weren't able to get it done because they're competitors and they want to win. But at the same time, I mean, that's something that that performance and the way that they played in Arkansas, that's absolutely something that you can build on in 2022. And as you get out and start hitting the recruiting trail, um, I mean, basically this week, I mean, that that's the way baseball works. So I, I think it's, uh, there were, there were not, there was nothing bad that came out of that regional for Nebraska aside from just the disappointment of not being able to get it over the finish line. I think they got the state's attention and I don't mean any disrespect to the work that Darren Ersad and those guys put in. Cause there was a ground floor that was so- solid there. And they, they, they had a regional not very long ago where they were a late inning home run away from, you know, doing something special that weekend too. So it's not like they weren't on the brink or couldn't be if Ersad were still here. But I would say, even during the Ursat era, I don't think the state ever quite got as drawn in as they did to Husker baseball as they were this weekend. And it reminded me for the first time, honestly, to the Mike Anderson era, like, you know, when he had some teams, when he made the CWS and he had, when Nebraska was still riding the Van Horn years out, um, it felt like that, like everybody was dialed in and cared about it and what channels the game on and stuff like that. And that's not always the way it is with Husker baseball. So they accomplished that this year. And that's not a small thing to get everybody like back in their corner. Okay. What's happening with it? Who are they recruiting? Who are the guys like knowing who's on the roster even like there's, there's a lot of people out there that just honestly didn't know guys names on the team in recent years. And now it's uh, it's different. And uh, Will Bolt reminds me of the guy he played for. He does. Like he, and this reminds me when I was in college of when Van Horn, you knew something special was going to happen. And they went out to Stanford and they lost a super regional after they won the first game. And it sucked. And everybody was disappointed. But you knew that they were going to take that and, and build on it. And they did. They went to the CWS the next two years. Now, as we'll get into, and you can lay this out now, this is probably a good segue. Who lay it out for people like who's going to be gone and what they got to replace and sort of where you go to build off this? Because it might not be quite as easy to just duplicate what you did, um, like Van Horn did it back 20 years ago after they almost made it. It's an interesting discussion because, you know, obviously Nebraska. I mean, they really swept through the Big Ten this year. I mean, they they wrapped up the conference championship with a weekend to spare. Um, you know, we're, we're 
I, I can only think of that. Basically, the Rutgers weekend at home was the only series yeah. where you're like, oh, like this, something's not right here. And, you know, how they bounce back from everything. I mean, I think they're going to be in a position to win the Big Ten most years. I mean, that, that's the, that should be the expectation in Nebraska for how much the state and the school values baseball. Um, that said, I mean, you start looking at what Nebraska has coming back next year. We'll start on the pitching side. You, you are likely going to have Spencer Schwellenbach being drafted high somewhere and likely leaving. I mean, Will Bolta said that mm-hmm. this year that he's probably not going to play at Nebraska past this year. I think that Cade Povich is also going to have a decision to make. I think that he would probably lean towards turning pro as well, given that he's a guy that's been in the junior college ranks. Um, this is his second school. And I, I don't really know what he can show uh, beyond what he already has um, to, to probably improve his draft stock. Um, so right there, you lost your closer. You've lost your Friday night guy. Um, Chance Roach is, is gone. Um, he's out of eligibility. So you lose your Saturday guy. Nebraska kind of towards the end of the season was a little bit um, iffy, I guess, on Sundays. You know, Shea Shannonman was great in his regional start. He was up and down at times this year on Sunday. So you, you were expecting that you're probably going to have to replace two starting weekend rotation pieces, um, whether that's, you know, getting Drew Christo to campus, which is another conversation that we can get into and we probably will over the next month. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the talented pitcher out of Elkhorn, uh, who will likely be drafted um, based on draftability and all that other stuff that we'll talk about. Um, so, you know, the, the pitching staff, you're going to have to rebuild there. You look at the lineup, um, Joe Acker, uh, super senior. He won't be back. We know that Luke Roscombe, another super senior will not be back. We know that Mojo Haggy, uh, make the jokes that you want to about him finishing up his 18 years of eligibility. He's not back um, as well. Um, so there's three guys that were, you know, certainly Acker and Roscom and, and Haggy towards the end, big pieces of what you were doing. Um, Schwellenbach likely will be gone. So you lose your starting shortstop. Jackson Hallmark um, could potentially have a year, uh, another year of eligibility if he wants it. That's a decision that will need to be made. Um, so, you know, that you're going to have to lean on guys like Max Anderson, Bryce Matthews, um, Jack Style, um, and, and, and kind of reload a little bit. They signed 14 guys in November um, out of the high school ranks um, to kind of add to the roster. I expect that Nebraska is also going to look heavily at the transfer portal and the junior college ranks, um, as they did last offseason, to kind of plug holes and find guys. Um, I mean, if you think about the, the arms that Nebraska relied on in this regional, it Cody Frank, who was a late junior college addition, Jake Buns, who was a late junior college addition, Schwellenbach had not pitched at Nebraska uh, prior to uh, him kind of taking over there. Cam Wynn was a transfer from Texas A&M as well. Um, so you've got Colby Gomez coming back off of Tommy John next year. Kyle Perry is also coming back, um, from, you know, basically only throwing 10 innings this year. So I I think he'll factor in the starting rotation. I don't know what role they foresee for Gomez, but Nebraska is going to have to get a little bit creative with how they plug holes. So 
they've got good pieces there, but at the same time, you, you're going to need, need to, to rebuild a little bit if you're going to reload. Yeah, when you hear people, because the, the layman who doesn't know everything about the roster, there's sort of this immediate thought, well, they got to this part, now you make the next step the next year. And as you lay out, that that's easier said than done. So, you know, sometimes you have a team that you're going to have, you have to take a step, half step back, and then you go forward two steps the next year or two years from now, you know. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you think they have it within them to, to uh, I guess, sort of duplicate what they did this year? Um, it's it's kind of hard. I guess you're just trying to, you're trying to guess with guys who aren't even here yet. You know, that's where it's difficult. It's, it's hard because th this year was not a normal year. You had, um, you know, guys that essentially redshirted this year that never played because the Big Ten didn't have midweek games. I mean, you, you didn't have right. those opportunity for a lot of freshmen to get innings against Omaha and K-State and Wichita State or guys to get at bats. So for those guys, this summer baseball is going to be huge this year um, and, and kind of figuring out where guys are at in their development. Um, you know, I, I think Nebraska has, they've recruited very, very well with the guys that are coming to campus this year. And this is kind of the first full recruiting class for Bolton and his staff that they're going to be coming to Lincoln. So you've got, you know, CJ Hood out of uh, Norris, who is, you know, could potentially be a starting guy for you next year. I think if Drew Christo comes to campus, he's very much a weekend guy for you. Uh, Chase Mason uh, out of South Dakota, who was a late addition. He had football offers as a quarterback. You know, you, you've seen some, you know, draft guys compare his ceiling to like an Alex Gordon. Um, and you're like, oh, holy crap. But, um, you know, the, those guys are going to need to kind of be ready to go when they get to campus. Plus the guys that were kind of languishing on the bench because of the Big Ten's decision to not play non-conference games. So the one thing I think you can say, and, and, I'm getting long winded here, but you could tell is that this team has bought into what Will Bolt was doing and how they wanted to play baseball and the style that they wanted to play offense with the, the attitude they wanted to play with. I mean, this, this team played with an edge. I mean, you, you saw that they were kind of getting under the skin of, of Arkansas fans with the way that they were playing. The fact that they were as competitive as they were. I know because I saw your, your mentions on Twitter, Brian, and right. You know, I think that, you know, th that matters too, that, you know, you, you kind of have the whole group pulling in the same direction and that allows you to add pieces and, and kind of reload rather than having to completely reset the deck, um, which, you know, Nebraska is going to have some guys to replace, but I think they'll be okay. Yeah. As my dog takes a big drink of water, that's a tradition on the <laughs> podcast. Um, one, at least one dog always has to go to the water at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, that environment, before we leave it, the baseball stuff, I mean, that was an awesome college baseball. <laughs> I mean, it was like in, you could feel the intensity coming off the screen, um, you know, when, when obviously no Husker fan wanted to see the three-run homer, but when, when the guy hit it in the eighth, that's one of those just cool moments. And as I knock my dog to just tell him, to sh come on, Ronnie, 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 come on. No, but yeah. I mean, that the guys are going to, I mean, the thing I'd say though, yeah, the eighth inning went bad and you had to 
your your pitchers lost a strike zone. They got squeezed a little bit, but they also lost a zone. I, I, I think it was they were off the plate. And then, uh, you know, Jake Buns had kind of a tough regional, but he had pitched well for him all year. Uh, he came in in a tough spot. But over the course of the weekend, like in the Sunday night game against Arkansas, they did not wilt. Like it was this environment where you could have thought like a team that hadn't been in this setting would just like eventually it's something bad is going to happen. And they didn't. They just were steady and uh, they did do some dumb things Sunday and still got away with it, running the bases and stuff like that. But that's where you're going to miss a Schwanbach, though. I mean, he comes in and it just puts the game on his shoulders, you know, sort of Bumgarner style on Sunday. And then Cops does it to Nebraska on Monday. That, I mean, that's sort of what happened. It, show, it shows you – I think that was a good example, both from Arkansas's point and Nebraska's point, how important recruiting is. I mean, when you have a couple guys like that, they can really elevate you and take you pretty far. I mean, when, when you've got a guy like Spencer Schwellenbach that can come in and pitch that way, I mean, it, it's uh, – it really kind of speeds up, I guess, how quickly you can get back to relevance. And mm-hmm. I mean, that that's why I'm kind of intrigued by this 2022 class that's coming in because I think they've got a few guys in that class that are, are that have that kind of ceiling as players. And, you know, to, I guess to kind of put a bow on things, I mean, you, you can kind of, you know, you, you hang your head a little bit because Nebraska didn't, didn't get the job done. But I think in a normal year, Nebraska is probably playing – playing tournament games at Haymarket Park. I mean, I think they would have been a host if they would have played a normal schedule. I, I think they had that kind of team. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think when you're kind of looking at what's the next step, I mean, I, I think Nebraska's shown that, you know, if they have the right guys, I, I think they've got the right coaching staff to really kind of take advantage of that talent. So correct me if I'm wrong, but had Nebraska won, they would have been playing NC State in Fayetteville still, right? That's dumb. <laughs> put it on a put it on one of the campuses. Make it you, make it exciting. You, you would have had, yeah. You you would have had Mojo Haggy patrolling left field with no no fans in the stadium for a super regional. Oh, they might have showed up just. They, they, to, they probably would have. Yeah, <laughs> they probably would have shown up. That yeah. was a whole that was a whole sidebar. I, I no who knows what was going on with all that, but. Uh, Mojo just went about his business and played some ball out there. He made a couple nice plays, and I like that. Yeah. Should we talk some hoops and get out of here? Yeah. All right. So Nebraska basketball. Uh, we'll talk some Nebraska basketball recruiting. Football had a big group of visitors in. Um, Nebraska basketball had a very uh, – a smallish group, but an extremely high-ranked group of, of visitors in. Um, they had two official visitors. They had two unofficial visitors, all four top 50 recruits nationally in their various classes. The official visitors, you had Isaac Trout out of Grand Island, who has seen his recruitment explode um, in the last year. And for good reason, um, he took an official visit to Nebraska. You had Chance Westry, who had played a few games out at Sierra Canyon in California. He's originally from Pennsylvania. Uh, he's the number 33 overall recruit uh, in the country. Trout's number 50. In addition to those guys, you also had Simeon Wilcher, who is the uh, 
younger brother of C.J. Welcher, who enrolled or transferred from Xavier to Nebraska this offseason. He moved in this weekend, and his little brother came along with him. And then you also had you, – you're going to need to help me with pronunciation. Is it Omaha Blue? It's Omaha. Yeah, Omaha. But that's uh, – <laughs> You don't know how to – no, yeah. I think you got it right. Okay. Uh, as an unofficial... We'll just call him Omaha. Yeah. So both of those guys, top 15 recruits in the country in the 2023 class. I talked to Isaac Trout. You talked to Omaha. What, what do you make, I guess, of the momentum that Nebraska basketball has on the recruiting trail as well as how the weekend went? I think it's real. I think they have a real shot at Omaha. And you can speak to uh, your interview. Um, and we're tracking down others as this goes along and we will keep doing that. But um, it wasn't just like, I don't know. Sometimes there, a guy pop, there's been some big basketball recruits in the past who have popped in and, and maybe you've done an interview with them and you're sort of like, yeah, that's not yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. He came in to enjoy the football game or whatever that weekend, see a cool environment, all that stuff. Um, this is not, this was not that case. This is a guy who, First off, he was born in Omaha, hence the name. Lived there for his first couple of years, then moved to Iowa. Um, and he's the number five player in the 23 recruiting class, 6'8". And uh, he loves Hoiberg. That was the thing. He's just like, I was like, why is Nebraska on your shortlist? He's like, Hoiberg. I was like, he's, he sees an NBA coach, guy who coached in the NBA, guy who knows how to get people to the league. And... Uh, he also is taking note of the people that Hoiberg is bringing in. You know, when you, when you have Seaman Wiltshire in there and you've got the McGowan's brothers hanging out and you're like, okay, this isn't just like a bunch of guys from, you know, the sticks. They got some guys who can play here. Um, that's going to, that's going to have your attention. And it does. So I, I, I mean, they're going to have to fight for him. Don't get me wrong, but Nebraska's in it. I I came away from that interview not thinking in the least this was just some like okay he came here and it's over. I think I think he'll be in the conversation and Nebraska will be at least. I would expect he'll probably take an official visit in, in the fall. Yeah, he, he. I think that's the plan. So I talked to Isaac Trout. Um, obviously, a a lot of intrigue for the way his recruitment's blown up for a, an in-state Nebraska kid. He unofficially visited Creighton um, basically when the dead period ended on June 1st, took uh, an official visit to Nebraska this past weekend. And, you know, the, the thing that I think that stands out about Trout is, he, is he's a guy that when you're looking at the type of player, that's a perfect fit as a power forward for Fred Hoiberg's offense, it's him. He can shoot from the outside. He's about 6'9", 210. Um, you know, really plays well in a free-flowing type offense. And, you know, I, I think there's intrigue because of, A, the style that Nebraska plays and the fact that that's where the, the game is headed. And I, I guess it already is. Um, and, and, you know, Fred Hoiberg. You know, the, a lot of times you have assistant coaches that are, you know, the primary recruiters, a lot of, you know, involved in that kind of stuff. But, you know, Fred Hoiberg has really taken over the recruitment of Isaac Trout. He's the one that, that Isaac talks to the most. Um, he spent the most time uh, with Isaac on his visit. And, 
I think that matters. You know, he, he told me that the, the relationship with your head coach is the most important one that you're going to make. And I think that Fred Hoiberg has really made uh, an impression. And the fact that Nebraska got an official visit, in spite of the fact that they're right down the road, um, also, you know, given some of the schools that are recruiting him and that have offered him and that he's going to visit, Nebraska certainly is the outlier among that group. I mean, he's got official visits set up this month to Virginia, Michigan State, North Carolina. You know, Nebraska typically doesn't find itself in those kinds of conversations. So um, I think that's a recruitment that's going to go into the fall. I think it's probably going to go right up to signing day. He was talking about taking a potential official visit to Oklahoma uh, in the fall as well uh, with the new staff down there. But, you know, I, that, that's another visit that didn't feel just like a courtesy visit because he's an in-state kid. And, and, you know, from talking to him too, it seemed like there was quite a bit of new stuff that he learned from that trip too, with Nebraska's facilities the stuff on campus and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, I think Nebraska's sitting in a pretty good spot for him to at least, you know, have a puncher's chance of beating out some pretty good blue blood programs for him. Yeah. And I think, you know what a guy like Omaha said, and I think more and more recruits are realizing this, the way college basketball is, is you do not have to go to Kansas to, uh, if, if you really have the game to go to the NBA after a year or two, you can go anywhere and they'll find you, you know? And so if you're at a place where, you know, the head coach has a, has a connection to that, that league, uh, played in it, knows everybody, um, yeah, why not? I mean, that why why wouldn't that be as attractive to you as I, I? You know, a lot of these guys are maybe thinking about that as much as like going to the Elite Eight or Final Four. You know, it's it, it, so. I think I think Nebraska has a lot of appeal for those guys right now, and then they see the facilities and they're like, okay, they, they mean business here. And I do think with certain guys, there's an allure, and I think you can sell this to them you can actually use Nebraska's lack of history maybe as a selling point and say, look, this hasn't been done, but you see who the guys we have here, we're about to change this. And you're going to be the, you're going to be remembered here. If you're in that, if you're on the ground floor of the group that wins that first tournament game, that's uh, they'll have you back here 40 years from now, you know, giving you a standing ovation and they will. And uh, I, I think that that could be appealing to some guys. The other thing that I think is kind of now working in Nebraska's favor too is when you have highly ranked guys on your campus who know other highly ranked guys, those, those talented guys want to come play with talented guys. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, from talking to people, you know, Trey McGowan's and Bryce McGowan's are really well known on the travel ball circuit. And I, I think that kind of having them, at Nebraska, I think, is a little bit of a an affirmation of, even though Nebraska hasn't really shown it on the court in the last two years, that at least that there's you know a corner to be turned here, and that they're closer to doing it than maybe what people would expect. Um, I mean, when you look at the guys that Nebraska's brought in, I mean, even from the transfer market, it's a lot of top 100 guys that have connections that have you know played on elite travel teams and all that other stuff throughout their high school careers. And those connections kind of start to feed off of one another. And that helps you quite a bit. I mean, you look at the, some of the guys that Nebraska is going to bring in this month and, you know, I, a lot of these guys know each other and, and that helps a lot. So um, this weekend you, you, you've got Jason Green from 
uh, Noah North coming in on an official visit. I mean, he, he's been a guy that the staff has really prioritized for a long time. I think it's a pretty anticipated visit for, for green and kind of being around the staff and, and kind of seeing where he fits in and all that other stuff. But um, another opportunity, I guess, for Nebraska to get a little bit more momentum on the recruiting trail too. So um, can't forget the basketball stuff because uh, even though football is humming along, basketball is, has done a heck of a job selling itself and, and what's at Nebraska, even though the, the results haven't been there the first two years. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think guys in hoops worry about the results as much of recent years in part because of what you're saying that they look around and they're like, okay, they got a couple guys there. And you look at it like if you give me two or three guys who can play around me, uh, we can turn that around. I'm not worried if you won nine games here before whatever it was, you know, whereas in football, sometimes you're thinking like it, it takes an army, you know, you gotta, you gotta have 45, 50 good guys. So um, yeah, I, I would not be surprised. I'm not going to make a prediction right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they landed at least one of those guys we're talking about, if not multiple guys. I think they're in, they're really in the fight. So it's going to be fun to watch. Definitely. So we, we hit baseball, we hit basketball. I think that's probably good for, for tonight, but be sure to check out the site this weekend. We'll have lots of coverage from a, another big visit weekend. Nebraska is also going to be hosting some individual workouts on Friday and, and throughout the week. Coaches are out on uh, out at satellite camps. We've got a seven-on-seven seven camp on Sunday at Nebraska that we'll have coverage from. So plenty going on um, at Husker 24-7. Check out the website. Come see us there. Appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.